All right, so we did hear from a, a Ford employee. Brian, what was the message relayed to you? You took the call. And we, we, we do have a definitive it was answer Scott, here. Scott, he says he works at the Dearborn Ford truck plant. Okay. They do have that shipped off All right. on Monday. Well, so there you they go. they can watch the game. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I would expect Ford to do the same, and they did, and all good. Uh, but but that look, it speaks to how big this game is. Now they just give us the day off. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that? I have to talk to Ann. You hear that, Ann? Ann. Now, unfortunately, it's a Sunday, and then we'll be there. We'll back to work on a Monday. Uh, but yeah, all right, good stuff. Ford uh, employees will have that that shift off as well. Uh, in the meantime, we we have been following that that cold front that moved through much of the country, certainly our area over the last week and a half or so. We saw all kinds of issues with electric vehicles being able to not only maintain a charge, but then get to charging stations so so that they could juice up. And continue on. But what we were finding was that the cold was zapping the batteries so much that these vehicles were dying before they could get to the charges. So tow trucks needed to be called in or people were pushing their cars up the chargers to get juice. And look, I I don't think that it's a surprise to anyone that these cold temperatures do play a factor into electric batteries, whether it's in your car or in your phone. If you spend any considerable amount of time outdoors with your phone it you will lose a charge much quicker than if you were indoors in a controlled temperature um and so just wondering how that plays in and the development into this technology certainly is changing certainly will get better but in the meantime the 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 issues still continue to to persist, Jennifer Mefford is the national co-chair of the Electrical Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program and joins us. Jen, it's good to have you. Hey, Chris. Great to be here. What did you make of some of those stories that we saw popping up in places like Chicago, even here in Detroit, where EVs were having a difficult time holding that charge until they got to the stations to, to get juice? Sure. Well, listen, when those temperatures get as cold as they were, zero, you know, high of zero, one, wind chill so cold, it affects so many different systems, including EVs, of course. Um, you know, I was on a tarmac at DTW on the day that it was zero, and mm-hmm. all the fuel lines to fuel the planes had frozen, and all of the tanks in the ground with the gas had frozen as well. <laughs> so I think it really does just, you know, challenge all of us. But fortunately, today it's a balmy 40-something. Yeah, no um, doubt. Yeah, related to EVs, though, yes, it's about a 30% um, change in the capacity of a battery when it's super cold like that. So each vehicle's battery, as you know, Chris, from our conversations, has, uh, will be affected differently. Some will, will lose more range, some will lose less, but the average is about 30%. Most uh, vehicles have about a 270 to 350 mile range, so you're going to lose some of that, and that's you know, definitely something you want to plan for. So just like in any other cold emergency, when we gas up our uh, ICE vehicles, you also want to make sure that you're charging that vehicle to full capacity on those on those cold nights, if you can, and you can plan on it. Batteries are also affected um, in the rate that they're able to onboard energy. So some of those stories that we were hearing, the ones in Chicago where there were, you know, lines and kind of people stacking up at charging stations, when it's super cold, the batteries bring in energy into that battery a little bit slower. So it takes longer. So there were more of those wait times. 
So it can also, super, super cold temperatures, just like it can cause havoc on any other software-based system that's out in the elements, affects that too. So it's kind of all of it. I don't, you know, I feel like this just kind of reinforces uh, one, charging at home, two, we need more public infrastructure, and that's really coming along. You know, the recent announcement of the Lansing area getting an $8 million um, funding jump uh, out of the bipartisan infrastructure law to put charging stations in helps. It's all kind of building and growing these networks of places, and that will help iron all this out. But it's typically only in super extreme temperatures, uh, super hot, super cold. Uh, what do we do in those times? We crank the heat or we crank the air. Most EVs draws that power from the battery. Yeah, and and you bring up a great point. Obviously, I would think that most EV drivers probably have at-home charging. But when you start getting into places like, you know, Detroit, if you live downtown in the city where you're in an apartment building that may not have EV charging stations yet, or in Chicago or in New York where we saw a lot of the issues, um, they might not have access to at-home charging. They may not have the ability to have a charger in their own space. And so they do rely on those public chargers. And when there just aren't enough of them or when you're in an area where is is highly concentrated with a lot of folks and a lot of EVs, it can be it can be particularly difficult. So I think you're right. I think that as long as as long as the the infrastructure continues to evolve, your battery might not be able to hold a charge in, in some extreme conditions, but you'll you'll have more access to being able to charge them. Yeah, it'll definitely hold the charge. It will draw down about 30%. We need more access. And what I like is this blend of level two infrastructure going into public spaces, as well as as DC fast charging. Because again, that level two is going to take longer, but it actually will work a little bit more efficiently Mm -hmm. in super cold temps. But we're fortunate in Michigan that it doesn't stay cold like that for very long. Um, And it really uh, is this extreme temperature, extreme cold, extreme heat that affects those batteries the most. Yeah. Uh, Interesting stuff. Uh, Great insight as always. Jennifer Mefford, thank you so much for taking some time with me today. Appreciate it. Thanks. Go Lions. Go Lions. That's exactly (laughs) right. Thanks, Jen. Be well. Yeah, you too. Uh, In the meantime, some other news. Uh, Jim Harbaugh out at Michigan taking the job in L.A., going to to SoCal to take that Chargers job. And it it ends a years-long kind of flirtation with the NFL. Jim Harbaugh, for, for the last three years, at least in earnest, where he has taken a meeting or has talked to, to different teams. You know, it started with the Denver Broncos, with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, had discussions with the Chargers, then Atlanta, and then then back to to L.A. And it, it depending on what you read, I the story I saw by Angelique Shangalis in the Detroit News was that Jim Harbaugh was asking for immunity, not to be fired based on the outcome of of these dual NCAA investigations that are ongoing into illegal recruiting and and obviously the sign-stealing investigation. And so Jim Harbaugh wanted some some something in writing in a new contract that said he was protected if the NCAA came knocking at the door and wanted and wanted his head. And Michigan seemed to be hesitant. 
and Harbaugh's team, that was the sticking point. But according to Shangalis, by the time the university came around to agreeing to those terms, Harbaugh was already basically signed, sealed, delivered to the L.A. Chargers. And so I, I, I continued to maintain after the national championship game, after the Alabama game, the Rose Bowl game in Pasadena, it just felt like Jim Harbaugh was gone because Jim Harbaugh wants a chance to win a, a Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh wants the opportunity to, to win it all at the pro- professional level. And so if there is one thing that Michigan couldn't offer Jim Harbaugh, it was a, a Lombardi trophy. And so I believe that the flirtations with the NFL over the last couple of years, conversations that I had had with people, it just seemed like after Michigan won it, Harbaugh was going to move on. He had done everything he wanted to do coming back and taking over at his alma mater. You're not going to see dynasties like Nick Saban anymore. Nothing really else to prove. Harbaugh did it, and now he has a chance to win it all in the NFL. Got to take a break.